This is the Uptime Wind Energy Podcast bonus episode. In this episode, Joel, Rosemary, and I discuss where the mechanically inclined employees are in the United States. And they may be in places you haven't thought of because some of them were a surprise to me. So this is a good discussion because wind turbine technicians are going to become one of the primary expanding roles in America. So it would be a great time to be a wind turbine technician. question is, where are they going to come from? It looks like mostly in the middle of the United States, but not all. So we have a, a good back and forth here. So stay tuned. This is a, an excellent episode, bonus episode of the Uptime Energy Podcast. A really interesting article in constructioncoverage.com, not a place that I frequent very often, but they had an article that just uh, popped out called American Cities with the Most Mechanically Inclined Workers in 2023. Oh, maybe my little town's in that. Curious, like yeah. That, but so just, just curious to see, right? And they sort of break down the mechanically inclined occupations from laborers and people who move freight and stock around uh, to people driving tractor trailers to general maintenance repair people, construction, uh, carpenters, electricians, automobile mechanics, kind of Mm -hmm. the general categories there. Uh, But if you look at uh, the growth where they say mechanically inclined occupations in the energy sector have the highest growth projections, it is in wind turbine service technician. There you go. So the two-year and 10-year growth, they are number one in that list. They're, uh, uh, in the 10-year projections, it's wind and wind turbines, number one. Solar's number two. Uh, wood pattern makers is number three. I guess that's, that's furniture makers probably. Uh, yeah, Derrick workers for oil and gas. Model makers. Uh, more oil and gas, oil and gas, oil and gas. So in terms of the growth, it's going to be – Wind, solar, oil, and gas. Is that sh- that's not shocking, Joel, is it? And I guess that would make no. sense. I would think that the oil and gas wouldn't be, wouldn't be growing as hard or as fast uh, as the renewable side, but that uh, makes sense. You know, it Maybe. makes me think back to – Rosemary, you wouldn't know this one because you're, you're not in the U.S., but when you're 17, I think, uh, in high school, they make you take a test called the ASVAB. And the ASVAB yeah. is the military aptitude test. They make you do a test to see if you would be good in the military or what yeah. you should do. They, they, yeah, they like they, they literally come. They came. They came to our school and we're like, all right, all of the juniors into the auditorium and like 10, 10 guys and you know two guys from the Marines, two guys from the Navy, two guys from the Army stood up there and they gave you this big speech about the military and then had you take this yeah. test. And the test, you don't know it while you're taking it, but how it scores you basically is, are you uh, what's the easy way to say this? Are you are you more inclined to be book smart or mechanically inclined? That's what the test is. Like, are are you a guy that can go and like um, if there's if a truck is stuck in the woods, how do you get it out? Or are you going to solve a physics problem? You know, and then there's this, the the Wouldn't certain it be people a that physics problem. Tie the two... <laughs> how to get your truck out? Well, exactly, of right? Yeah, oh, exactly. Wow. So there's this, that applied there's, physics. There's those t- there's a s- special people kind of in the middle that cross both those things, and those a are the ones they're shooting ideas. for, right? 
Yeah. So those are the ones that they're going like, all right, here's an offer for West Point. Here's an offer for the Citadel. Here's a offer for the Air Force Academy, that kind of stuff. Uh, so the, the, to be honest with you, the, the United States military, uh, DOD, has the best set of data for this. But it, it makes absolute oh, yeah. sense. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I think on, even on just just remove the mechanically inclined part of it and just job growth in the U.S., the number for through all the way through 2030, the, the top two are uh, wind turbine technicians and nurses. And that's oh, like, yeah, that makes sense. I'll give you some personal experience from this side as well. So I used to um, do a lot of oil and gas exploration and in it, oil and gas exploration, you are running survey equipment, but it's not high order survey equipment. It's pretty easy to run. It's right. push, enter, scroll through here, push, enter as you walk. Like it's pretty simple. Um, but your jobs are, I mean, you might be on 300 square miles in Wyoming and you leave in the morning from the staging site on a UTV with a truck and some survey equipment and you have a radio, but we'll see you back in when, when it gets dark. So those people are required to kind of be mechanically inclined and understand like if you get a flat tire or if you're, you know, a, a stick stabs through your radiator, like how are you getting back to staging? You know, if your radio goes down, like what are you going to do? So what I, what I found over the course of the, I don't know, eight years that I was responsible for those jobs is that the majority of the people that I hired from the Midwest, basically, and it was a, an expanded Midwest, we'll even say, from Montana to basically the upper part of Michigan and then down into, say, I would say Iowa, the northern part, were the, were the best people that we had where you could just trust them to to go and get stuff done. You didn't have to babysit them. You didn't have to uh, worry about them. If there was an issue, they'd figure it out. If they, if a tool was broken, they'd figure out another tool or they they were resourceful. They could get things done. Um, when I had a couple of, and I, and I don't want to point any fingers, right, but I had some, some people from the farthest West Coast and the farthest East Coast, and they were, uh, man, it was like you, you had to train them to do every single thing out there multiple times. Um, and then the other the other side of it was people from the, the far south where it was warm all year round and they had a pretty good life most of their lives. If they had to go do something hard, they didn't want to do that either. Okay, so let, let me give you the breakdown here by state. So let, let's just – Rosemary, you've been to America a couple of times. you got a pretty good sense of this. You were in California for a long enough period of time. Mechanically inclined workers relative to the rest of America, California? Oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say less, less mechanically inclined. My, my, um, my yeah. outside, probably very stereotypical ex expectation would be the further towards the center you get, the more mechanically minded because, you know, big, big city latte sippers aren't necessarily known for their mechanical <laughs> aptitude, I would say, stereotypically speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Changing it's transmissions in the yeah. street. Probably not. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the, the, as the list goes, I'll run down. And Joel, I think you pretty much hit it right on the head. Indiana has the most, uh, the highest share of mechanically inclined workers. Now, do you know, can you guess why? I know one of the markets there. So, two, or two of them, farming and they make yeah. every, R, they, they manufacture every RV in North America. Yes, they do. And a lot of <laughs> transmissions are made there. So a lot yeah. of automotive components are made because yep. Indianapolis 500 is right there. So if you go from like Indianapolis up yep. into sort of Michigan area, there's just a ton of automobile yep. component factories in that space. Yeah. So 
boy, they really know their stuff. That's when I went to school in Indiana at Rolls Holman and a lot of those, the, my fellow students were from Indiana and man, they knew how to make stuff. It was mm-hmm. shocking. I'm from Nebraska. Yeah. We know how to make some things, right? They were, <laughs> they were surprisingly well versed in machine shop world. Uh, so let me give you, let me give you the small and mid-sized metro areas for the most mechanically inclined workers, because that's where a lot of the mechanically inclined people are. They're not in, they're not in New York city. They're not in they're rural America. necessarily. They're yeah. in rural, rural America. America. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think these places kind of make sense. Elkhart, Goshen, Indiana, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, Midland, Texas, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, Spartanburg, South Carolina, which I, I, that one I didn't expect, but that's a surprise. Good. Rock, yeah, Rockford, Illinois, Decatur, Alabama. Alabama's in that mix, right? Uh, Morristown, Tennessee, Chambersburg, PA, which I, I've actually been in. Uh, Wausau, Wisconsin, Appleton, Wisconsin, Albany, so, Lebanon, Oregon. All of those, right? So you, you can think about where all that those is. Towns, right? Yeah, all those towns in Wisconsin are literally within yeah. an hour of each other. Right, so right. Rock, Rockford, Illinois, Sheboygan, Wausau, Appleton. Let's. Those are all Green Bay Packer fans, baby. That's hard working. You've <laughs> yeah. got, you've yes. got, you've got uh, the yeah. Harley Dav- Harley Davidson factories Harley. there. You got Mercury yeah. Marine. There's a ton of ton of manufacturing yes. and industry there. Well, going to mid-sized metro areas, yeah, and mid-sized metro areas, the, 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 it changes a little bit about where it is because the cities are larger. York, PA, which is a big industrial area if you haven't mm-hmm. driven through there. Stockton, California, which odd. Uh, yeah. Morgantown, North Carolina. Lancaster, PA, which I would agree with. Fort Wayne, Indiana. Again, Indiana. Toledo, yeah. Ohio. Makes sense. Same a lot thing. of manufacturing there. Lakeland, Florida. Reno, Nevada. Do you know what Reno, what's in Reno, Nevada? Casinos? <laughs> Casinos. <laughs> That's true. what I was going to say. Uh, mining. <laughs> And there's yeah. there's a Tesla battery factory out there. There's, there's a Tesla it, battery factory. It's there. a lot of lead and there's, silver mining, right? Lead, silver, copper. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's a ton of mining out there still. Reading, PA, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. So uh, Huntsville, Alabama. So if you start going through the list, like, oh yeah, uh, that all makes sense. Now, all those places that we just named are sort of wind country at the moment. That, that's where your winter technician would come from. The southeast yeah. ones are a little bit odd to me, but the manufacturing is there, so that makes sense. Right. So if wind terminus technicians are going to become the, the new hot mechanical job, then it makes sense. If you're in Iowa, Indiana, where there's a lot of wind turbines, man, they, they're just loaded with the ability to grab technicians right there. Mm-hmm. What happens when we get to these offshore wind and we start putting a lot of wind turbines in California, put them in, in New York State, uh, Massachusetts, where the mechanically inclined aren't necessarily there? Yeah, you think you're gonna you're gonna hire a kid from Indiana to move to Massachusetts? That's not super likely. You know deer, I mean? you there's no there's no big deer to deer hunt out there, you know. Well, you know they have restrictions <laughs> on a lot of things that <laughs> yeah. a person in Indiana would <laughs> not necessarily not agree with. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that that's right. the issue, right? That's we talked about that last week or the, a couple of weeks ago about the the American Workforce Fairness Act or whatever it was about trying to get these yeah. things like the, the the people just aren't there. The skill set isn't there. They, you know, another odd one on that list. And I want to go back to the offshore thing, but I I don't want to forget this one is Midland, Texas. So I've talked to quite a few people out there through, I I used to be working in Midland quite a bit in the oil and gas world. And the trouble in Midland is everybody that's born and raised in Midland and and is excited to actually live in Midland wants to work in oil and gas because the wages are so much higher. You can be a, you can be a rig, 
you can be a rig hand and make 150,000 a year. I was going to say that they, um, if they want to attract off, offshore um, wind technicians to the big cities, then they're going to want to be paying them better than the ones that are living rural. I know uh, last time I updated yeah. my GWO training, and it was the first time I did it in Australia, um, there were a couple of young young kids there, uh, apprentice, electricians, and other trades, and they had entered the wind industry as a way to escape big city prices. So like in um, we've got a bit of a, a cost of living crisis in Australia, especially in the big cities, and this guy was saying, you know, he, um, he can't afford to live in Sydney with the money that he makes as a, you know, second-year apprentice electrician. So he moved to, to Mudgee. Um, he said, it's great. So I can, you know, I can live on, on my own. It's wine country so I can tour wineries on the weekends <laughs> and um yeah working in the wind farms is just great so it will be interesting to see uh how the yeah the offshore wind farms can can lure people back from those kinds of nice lifestyle changes that you can make as a wind turbine technician yeah the difference there will be that or that's the difference that they'll have to pay them that that's the only way you're going to get people to, to do that right to come from center america is you're going to have to yeah you're going to have to shoot their wages to the moon to get them to move to the coasts because uh i mean as it boils down politically a lot of people in the midwest will just say like i'm not moving there like i'm not going i'm not going to that's, that that's liberal true. stronghold or whatever like it, that's kind of what it is right i mean it's just a reality in the u.s right even joel i think you you hit it on the head even in rural new york which tends to be more mechanically inclined than so the they New York City area. They don't want to go to the Gen coast. In general, they're not. They're not going. Yeah, they have not a lot of love no. for the New York City area, um, in terms of politics and lifestyle. There's still mechanical people in those uh, cities, right? I mean, there's got to be yeah. or people with with trades. I mean, wind, tur wind turbine oh, sure. traditions come from a, lo a lot of backgrounds, like you know, yeah, electricians or yep. machinists or you, you know, whatever. And surely, <laughs> LA and New York have have those trades there that could be persuaded over to, um, yeah, to the wind industry. I think that's going to be the issue, Rosemary, is that people who are, say, are mechanically inclined and say they're working in HVAC or they're working in automotive repair, mm -hmm. they're probably making some, some decent money in those areas. Do I want yeah. to retrain to do this thing out on out in the cold Pacific Ocean, Atlantic yeah. Ocean? I don't think so. I, I prob probably don't want to do that. And so that's where they're going to have trouble because – there's just not enough, and that's real, the real issue. And if, I, I want to give you the top ten big city places. And Joel, I, I, uh, stop me when you you hear one that goes like, "Oh, that doesn't even make any sense." But I think that I think they mostly do. Number ten coming at number ten, Houston. That makes one doesn't sense. make sense. Well, that guess, makes sense right? to me. Yeah. Makes sense yeah. to me too. Milwaukee, number nine. Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. That should be higher on the list. <laughs> I, I, I thought so too, actually, when I saw it. Uh, number eight, Cincinnati, and that, that's also including the kind of the Kentucky, Midwest. Ohio, yeah, Indiana corner right there. A lot of yeah. industry there, right? Tulsa, I love Tulsa. Tulsa. <laughs> that place is is awesome to me. It's decent weather. They've got aerospace. They have oil and gas. They have a lot of different technology things there, Tulsa. And so there's a lot of mechanically inclined people there. Uh, some of my family lives there, and they're definitely mechanically inclined. My family's mechanically inclined. That's a they just got attracted to there. Indianapolis, Indianapolis yep. 500, right? All autom automotive things around there. Memphis, Tennessee. That's one I didn't expect. Memphis. I don't expect that one either. That's an odd one. Yeah, right. I, I wouldn't expect that. Detroit, 
Yep. Working in car factories, right? No, number four. Number three is Louisville, Kentucky. There's a lot of car factories and manufacturing down there too, though. True. Ford's there. Yeah. Ford's in Louisville. Yeah, yeah. There's a she- there's a Chevy plant there too. They make Corvettes there. Oh, that's right. That's where they yeah. had the big sinkhole at the Corvette Museum was in. That was near there. <laughs> you remember that, Joel? Where they had a sinkhole re- at the Corvette Museum? I remember that. I didn't know it was Corvettes. in Kentucky, though. I think it was in Kentucky. Yeah, I think it's right near the factory. All right, number two. Okay, this is where I think we're going to go sideways. Riverside, California. Riverside, California. Okay, so where is Riverside? Is Riverside is Riverside's right outside of L.A., isn't it? Isn't Riverside outside? I think so. It's east of I, L.A. I, I can confirm. I have a map here because I don't know about half of these places. <laughs> then that makes – I mean, I'd, if they're going by volume, it makes sense. Oh, maybe it's a volume thing. Okay, yeah. Okay. Maybe it's a volume thing. And then number one. I'm going to drum roll. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yep. Grand Rapids, Michigan. GM. That, yeah, that would make sense to me too because of the cars. Right? Yeah. It's, 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 but, it's, all, it's all unionized uh, labor for the pastor vehicle, vehicle industry. Generations. Uh, yeah. Generations yeah. of mechanically inclined people because it's been passed down yep. <laughs> through – Kids doing the same job the the parents were doing. Pretty much the Riverside, the California so, one is, is interesting, but it makes sense because it's there's something has to feed that metropolis, right? When when you talk about what well, the other ones, oh, that's, all that's the, true. Almost all the other ones are feeding metropolis, like Houston, fourth largest city in the country, makes sense. If you talk about the third largest city, is Chicago, so Indianapolis, Milwaukee, makes sense. Fort Wayne, they're all right there within an hour and a half drive. So R- Riverside makes sense because it's feeding LA, um, and they're actually I know some I know some some pretty good engineers from out there too. Um, but, but it doesn't but, mean there's that doesn't mean there's nobody you know. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's look at where the wind farms are going to be offshore, Boston, right? A lot of wind turbines near there. Fifty mm-hmm. fourth on the list. Fifty fourth. That's a struggle. Yeah. That's going to be hard. And New New York, New Jersey, Newark area is fifty fifth, right? So they're Boston and New York are basically in the same spot, which is where all these offshore wind turbines are going to be. I can't. It's got to be really hard to find technicians in that area because it's just it's a lot of finance. There's a lot of investment groups. There's a lot of teachers and schools. Just not a lot of mechanics. I think you could see. Okay, so let's go back to the what is an offshore wind farm technician's day look like? They're going SOVs. So if they're SOVs, a lot of times it's two on, two off, right? So yeah. I think that you'll see you you'll see quite a few uh, like maritimers from Maine coming down like hey I got to go do my hitch boom come down for two weeks go offshore go back to Maine because they actually oh. do have some maritime people there and they're a little bit more it's very rural up there a little bit more mechanically inclined in my mind mm-hmm. um, and they're used to the water some fishermen from up there or fishermen families and stuff I, I can yeah. see that happening in the Boston area and uh, in Massachusetts Vineyard Wind and whatnot. Um, sure. So that makes sense to me, but the ones in the southern coast, everybody I know, every, or I guess my this is my stereotypical opinion of people from North and South Carolina is they're hanging out on the beach. They're not out. They're not out working on vessels <laughs> offshore. So I don't know where those ones are going to come from. Well, that's I think that's where the trouble is. If we know that we're having a hard time right now, and I think the word on the street is they're having a hard time finding people. This is why. If, mm-hmm. if they have to, America's 330 million people compared to Australia's, what, 17 million, something mm-hmm. like that. So we have a huge population base. 
But pulling them from the Midwest out to the East or West Coast is going to be dang near impossible. So what do you do? You 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 develop in the Gulf. (laughs) Okay. That's where I was going. I I think that's right. The Gulf Coast, Louisiana is full of offshore workers. That corner of Texas is full of offshore workers. They're already there. They know they know their way around vessels. They've they're working on offshore platforms already. Um, that that one I think the other here's your other one. Develop offshore wind in the Great Lakes. There's a ton of workers up there. They've been prohibiting that. I mean, I think yeah. it was Lake Erie where they put a stop to it. And I think a lot in the Great Lakes area, they're going to have a lot of trouble with putting wind turbines out there. They will. So offshore wind's going to be in trouble. I think for technicians. I think uh, in, looking at these stats here, it indicates future trouble. Midwest, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, okay. Texas. There's a shortage, but it, it'll right. come. So I think there's a generational thing here too, right? Where if yeah, you start talking about, okay, so I, I graduated high school in 2005 um, and there was not a talk as in the Midwest, there was not a talk about a wind turbine whatsoever. And back then there was so few and far between that it wasn't a thing. Now, if I was, if you're growing up in high school in the Midwest, you're no matter what you've, where you've been, you've seen some. So it's a topic of conversation. It's something at the forefront now. There's more programs being talk, talking about them and whatnot. So the more we can educate the young people as they come up, and more of these little two year, the two year technician degree programs pop up. Uh, I think that in the Midwest you'll see because that's a high paying job in the Midwest in the rural communities. There's not a lot of high paying jobs, you know. Right. So let me let me throw this number at you. I know technicians that are making six figures in the Midwest, right? So making a hundred thousand dollars a year. They're working their tails off to do it, but they're they're doing, they're doing it. it. Yeah. What would you have to pay a, someone like that to go out to Vineyard Wind or to any of these projects off the coast? What what would it take? Is it one hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Are you are you making are you making a move there, or are you flying them back and forth? You have hitches? to. I, I, oh man, they can do whatever they please, but I I think it all has to level itself out in a pay scheme of some sort, right? If if they want to travel back and forth, they can do that on their own nickel. Yeah. If buddy, what kind of salary range are we talking about? If I think buddy's we're talking making about almost two hundred grand. Yeah. If he's making six figures working wind farms in the Midwest, hanging out with his family and his buddies, having beers after work to get him to move to the East right. or West coast. It's going to be, well, it's going to be, yeah, 200 grand. Well, you, you can factor in right away. Like say you're in, say you're a guy from working on a wind farm in Minnesota and you go to California, you lose 4% of your income overnight by state tax difference. Yeah. Cause it's like 6% Minnesota and 10% in California. Right. So boom, right. there you Wait, go. Which is why you go to Texas, right? To be yeah. a technician. Texas resident. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. So, Rosemary, how much money would it take for you to start climbing t- towers again? 200 grand? Which Is that is that what the number is? Uh, That's a good salary, <laughs> right? I think you'd have to get to that number, it, though. Almost. It, Close to it. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I mean, I really love climbing towers, but it's interesting to me, um, the first climb of a trip is like, this is the best. My job is so great. I can't believe I get paid to do this. Second day, you're a little bit tired. You're a bit sick of, you know, there's no toilet up there. Um, and it's kind of, you know, it can be tedious. You, yeah. You're like, okay, you're set to come down at the end of the day and then you go to restart the turbine and there's a fault and you have to, you have to stay there until um, you solve, solve that. 
And then, yeah, third, fourth, fifth day, you're kind of like, okay, I'm exhausted. My harness is so heavy. I'm cold. And, um, yeah, the food out here sucks. No time to exercise, but you're exhausted anyway. And, yeah, so I I think (laughs) I always, because I haven't climbed a a turbine in a few years, Oh no! I'm in, in over a year now, um, I have my rose-colored glasses on about it. I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't have to pay me that much. I'll, you know, someone call me, please. I, I miss climbing turbines, and I, I want to do it again. But um, to be a full-time wind turbine technician, climbing every day, yeah, you would probably have to pay me qu- quite a lot for me to stick with that more than more than a couple of months. I think. At least you're still alive. <laughs> well, we're going to find out. I think the the, the data is fascinating yeah and the more information we get as we go along here it unless this starts changing pretty soon you're going to see some really high salaries for technicians which is going to raise the price of energy but yeah i'm okay with that yeah so we, we see that in australia every time there's a mining boom it inflates salaries for all all kinds of trades and um also it kind of affects all kinds of engineering which is nice for <laughs> For all engineers, but it is ridiculous for the um, people working in the mining industry. And there's a lot of fly and fly out in Australia because the places are so remote, and often no one no one even lives in the um, you know close to the mines um, where they've got to go. But uh, yeah, it's definitely it, it, when you see a, a jobs boom like that, you do start pulling people with any kind of aptitude or any kind of remotely relevant previous work experience. You'll train them. I mean, it's not. It's not such a brand new, totally different um, job being a wind turbine technician to being, you know, any other kind of mechanic or electrician or, um, you, you know, something like that. And uh, companies will will train people. So I don't think it's going to be purely just a grab for the people with experience as a wind turbine technician. It's going to be partly about that because you need to train people and you need people that have, you know, seen seen things before and um, continue that knowledge. So I think experienced wind turbine technicians probably there will be the, the good ones. There will be some, um, you know, competition to get them into new wind farms. But I think the majority of the jobs is going to come from taking either new, new apprentices fresh out of school or people that, um, yeah, have a trade already and, and want to make a change and are happy to live in the area. That would be my guess. Well, Joel, what, what are going to be the specific skill sets that's going to drive this? I'm thinking composite repair. If you have that skill set, that's going to kind of put you to the top of the ladder. I think your composite repair is going to be a, uh, an existing supply chain driven thing. Um, if you're a composite repair person, I got a hard time thinking that you're going to be the ones going offshore if you're new to the industry. Uh, and that's just uh, from hmm. from my side thinking there's that that skill set can be imported because I've seen it, we've done it. Um, and okay. I th- but the it's the the day to day guys I think that um, we need to that'll be the skills right. So it'll be the the oil changes, the the regular guys checking meters, cleaning stuff up, um, inspections up tower, that kind of stuff. I think those are the the more the service oriented rather than the specialty people um will be okay. will be the ones they're looking for uh, and it's this it, it's the same thing like when an, when an oil boom happens there's there's drillers and they grab drillers from all over the world to go like when so so the oil boom in north dakota in the 2006 to 2010 on, the, on western north dakota a lot of those drillers came from texas and and oklahoma and even some from overseas and in, in the 
in the Middle sure. East and stuff. Because if we need the drillers, those are the guys that are trained well. They know what they're doing. We'll pay them a premium. They come up here. Uh, but the service people that are driving around, checking roads, looking at gauges and running tools and that kind of stuff, those are the those are the ones that are easier to pick up off the street where they're like, we'll have a hiring festival at this school and and you can get hired on the spot. Yeah. You know, in 2007, I always this one always sticks in my head. But in 2007, and I don't know if you're if you're in the U.S., you know North Dakota. Uh, but if you're in, uh, you know, in a global audience, you may not know where Williston, North Dakota is, but it is in the western corner of North Dakota in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by farm fields and nothing else but now pump jacks and, and natural gas wellheads. Uh, but in 2007, there was a little car dealership in that town that sold the most amount of Corvettes in all of North America. And it was because all of these tech, all these, I mean, I was, I was just fresh out of high school when this was happening, and I knew people going out there, 19, 20 years old, living living in their cars, parking in Walmart parking lots, making 100, 120 grand a year at 18 years old yeah. that didn't that couldn't tie their shoes. Yeah, Texas is full of – when we were in Texas last time, uh, I think with you, Joel, uh, at a conference, I noticed how many RVs there were of mechanics. Yep. And they were living in their RVs. They had traveled from some other state, and they yep. were just living in their RVs working jobs. Yep. That's what was happening. It was, I was shocked. And the number of RV sales in Texas was astounding, yep. astounding. And pull behind trailers and pickup trucks, the sales on those were incredible. And I've been in Kansas in the Midwest where pickup sales are pretty good. They're nothing like Texas and yeah. those mechanics. They you were. See, you see, the Texas, smart, the Texas truck people. is – it's a uh, like a one ton truck with a with the dual rear wheels with a big Miller yeah, or really. you know welding Miller welding machine on the back of it with a bumper pull camper yes. and he's boom he's heading out and he's got he's got uh, ten thousand bucks worth of rims and tires on his truck and a fancy paint job and everything on it and and uh, he's chasing pipelines he or she <laughs> that's a lifestyle Rosemary. I've done a bit of van life, not not for that reason, but in Europe, um, we had a a transporter that um, we built a a bed and some storage in the back. And one of my favorite favorite holidays that we had was three weeks driving around Norway. We we had four bikes, probably four surfboards, rock climbing equipment, um, hiking stuff as well in and us packed into this transporter and drove around and, and it rained every day. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to, these, these, to dry your, your wetsuit when you're, when you're doing van life um, and it's raining, no, not that easy and I don't recommend. <laughs> these, guys are, these guys are traveling with welding rods, chewing tobacco, monster energy drinks, <laughs> and, and Bud Light. <laughs> America. Yep. Right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs>